Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Julian Keats and this is Addiction in Simple Terms, a podcast in which I explain some of the important ideas in addiction to try and help you make sense of your experiences and hopefully make some changes for the better in your life. If you've had problems with drug and alcohol use, if you're struggling with addiction, or if someone you love or care about is facing addiction, then this podcast is for you. Before we begin, a little bit of background. So, I'm a doctor of medicine. I hold a medical degree and a medical sciences degree from the University of Tasmania, and I've been practicing medicine for 20 years. For the last 10 years, I've been working in the field of addiction medicine, helping people with drug and alcohol problems, both assessing and treating addiction itself, as well as managing addiction-related issues, including mental health problems like depression, anxiety, and drug-induced psychosis, dealing with liver disease from alcohol or hepatitis C, and helping people with chronic pain. I find the work challenging, but really, really interesting. So much so that I've done several years of specialty training in addiction medicine, and I'm now recognised as a Fellow of the Australasian Chapter of Addiction Medicine, which is part of the Royal Australasian College of Physicians. In Australia, us addiction medicine specialists, we're fairly few and far between. There are only 187 of us practising around the country, with 75 of those in New South Wales, which is where I practice. For comparison, there's 27,000 GPs around the country, 11,000 specialist physicians, 6,000 surgeons, 5,000 anaesthetists, they're the ones who put you to sleep for surgery, and 4,000 psychiatrists. So comparatively, addiction medicine specialists are pretty rare. If you've never heard of us, I don't blame you, but we are a thing. Now, on to today's episode. Today, I'm going to be shining a light on what's actually going on in the brain when addiction takes over. The basic biology, and by biology, I mean the meat and chemical side of things, how these biological changes affect our choices and decision-making, and what it looks like when that translates into behaviour. So, let's make a start. To understand the biology and chemistry of addiction in the brain, we're going to start with dopamine. Dopamine is a chemical that when it's released in certain parts of the brain, effectively tells the brain, that was good, do it again. And we call that reward. And just like training your dog, behaviours that are rewarded are more likely to be repeated. We call that reinforcement. Those behaviours that activate a dopamine reward, are strongly reinforced. Where exactly in the brain these things occur is not all that important for what we're doing today. But for interest's sake, the brainstem, which is where the spinal cord attaches to the base of the brain, has circuits that connect it with the limbic system in the lower middle part of the brain. And that's involved in emotion, memory and motivation. The limbic system, in turn, has various circuits that connect it with the frontal lobe, or the frontal lobe cortex, the outer layers of the brain at the front, that look all wrinkly and folded when you see a picture of the brain. 
the frontal lobe cortex is involved in planning, memory, decision-making, and controlling urges. Together, these parts in the brainstem, limbic system, and frontal lobe are referred to as the reward pathway. And we say that dopamine activates the reward pathway and reinforces behaviour. Under normal circumstances, the things that activate the reward pathway are things that help keep the individual or the species alive. Things such as food, water, sex and nurturing behaviour. But what's really interesting is that decades of scientific study have been able to show that all drugs of addiction also cause dopamine release within the reward pathway. That includes alcohol, nicotine, cannabis, cocaine, methamphetamine, and the opioid family, heroin, morphine, codeine, oxycontin, fentanyl, and methadone, to name a few. Now, all these drugs of addiction cause dopamine release and activation of the reward pathway, but they do so in much greater amounts than those other normal behaviours. They cause much greater dopamine release and much stronger reward and reinforcement than normal behaviours like food, water, sex and nurturing behaviour. I like to think of this as a rock band where the electric guitar is so loud that it drowns out the rest of the band. With repeated frequent drug use, there's only so much dopamine reward that the brain can tolerate. So what it does is it decreases its responsiveness to the dopamine reward. It effectively numbs itself to reward. You can think of this as turning down the master volume on our rock band because the electric guitar is too loud. These changes in brain chemicals and how the brain responds are why you sometimes hear addiction described as a brain disease. These changes can persist for months or years, and in some people may never resolve, especially if there's ongoing drug use. And it's because of these persistent long-term changes in how the brain chemicals respond that you sometimes hear addiction described as a chronic brain disease, where chronic simply means long-term in medical jargon. Now we're going to talk about how these changes affect priorities. I've mentioned that dopamine reward reinforces behaviours so that they're more likely to be repeated, and that drugs of addiction cause a very large dopamine release and reward effect. So those behaviours are very strongly reinforced, whereas normal behaviours, because they cause less dopamine release, are less strongly reinforced. With repeated frequent drug use, as the brain numbs itself to dopamine reward, what we see is it's like turning down the master volume because the electric guitar, the drugs of addiction, are too loud. But in the process, we've turned down the volume on all the music so you can barely hear the background instruments or the normal behaviour. Accordingly, the parts of the brain involved in memory, learning, planning and motivation reshuffle their priorities so that Obtaining and using drugs becomes the most important priority, and normal behaviours lose any significance at all. Sometimes this is a conscious choice that people make, 
but often you don't even realize it's happening because these changes are occurring under the surface or underneath the radar, so to speak. So you may not consciously think that drugs are the most important thing, but these subtle changes in priorities mean that addiction is driving your behaviours and influencing your choices almost on autopilot. This disruption of priorities, this shift in our choices, is why you might sometimes hear addiction described as a chronic brain disease that results in a disorder of choices. The other thing we need to talk about in understanding addiction is the frontal lobe of the brain, which is located pretty much just behind your forehead. And if you've seen it in pictures, it looks all wrinkled and folded. It's especially large in humans, more so than in any other animals, and is probably what sets us apart from other animals. It's involved in complex and abstract thought, thinking about things like language, problem solving, love, politics, God, and so forth. One part of the frontal lobe, the prefrontal cortex, is particularly important in planning, decision-making, and suppressing urges. So it's the area of the brain responsible for impulse control. It's the handbrake, or the filter, if you will. And this part of the brain is not fully developed until 25 years of age, which is why we sometimes see teenagers be such risk-takers, because the impulse control part of their brain has not come fully online yet. Studies of the prefrontal cortex function during repeated frequent drug use have shown defects in processing that affect judgment, planning and decision-making. Effectively, impaired impulse control. And in terms of behaviour, this translates to difficulties exercising control and suppressing urges that mean that it's hard to pull up or stop drug use despite being aware of serious harmful consequences that are resulting from the drug use. If we put all these things together, we now have three important processes occurring in the brain during addiction. The first is the numbing of the usual reward mechanism. The second is the increasing priority that drug use takes over other normal behaviours. And the third is the impairment of impulse control that makes it hard to pull up or stop. Understanding these processes starts to give you some insight into why we see people in addiction use drugs in larger and larger amounts to the exclusion of other normal activities and despite clear evidence of ongoing harm. And with that, you've made it to the end of the podcast. I've made it to the end too. Uh, We've made it together to the end of my very first podcast. And hopefully with any luck, you've gained some understanding of how addiction works in the brain. I hope I haven't put you off with my presenting style or with the sound quality. Please remember, this is my first crack at making a podcast. Until a few days ago, I'd never used GarageBand or Adobe Audition, which is the program used to record the podcast. Some of it's been easier than I thought. Some of it's been harder than I thought. But they say that every journey starts with a single step. The next podcast I make will be about how addiction and substance use disorders are diagnosed. And I'd like to invite you to join me and listen in to that next time.